Welcome back to Following Noah Don Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 117, and we are doing chapters 57 through 60 of Rhythm of War. Elliot, how are you? Disappointed that you didn't say 11 for the name of the episode, or the number. That's an excellent point, Elliot. I think we should just redo the whole intro. Go ahead. Hey, hello, and welcome back to Following Noah on a Stormlight Podcast. Today is our 11th episode, where we'll be talking about chapters 57 through 60. How are you doing, Trevor? I'm good. Good. I don't have two words, so you're going to have to flip it back to yourself I'll... for those. Okay, well, I'll pick up the slack, like usual, okay. Trevor. Sounds okay. good. Um, thanks for asking. I'm also very well, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing rather well this week. It's been a splendid week. Um, Legendary I'm really intro. Ex- yes, exactly. I am uh, super excited, actually, to talk about this the stuff the stuff we read um, this week in particular. It. I don't know if it's the most excited I've been in Rhythm of War, but it's definitely up there in Rhythm of War. Like the, the, these, I had some really, really good. There's some really cool stuff in this, so I'm excited. Are are you talking about the action sequence we get, or your, or some of the name drop reveals that we get? The action sequence stuff was exciting. That made it fun to read. The other reveals and things that happen are why I'm excited to talk to y'all. Yeah, sounds good. Elliot, do you have two words to summarize? I do. I do. Two words. For, what are this, chapter 57 through 60, two words are unforeseen allies. Okay. Paul? That's a, those are good words, Elliot. Uh, my two words are contact and deceit. All right. Let's use these four words and discuss with them before. Paul, throw it back to you. What do your two words mean? So first of of my two words was contact. And that is a reference to our last chapter this week, where I feel like it's the first time that Vinley has made contact with someone, another character that might be integral to to where I imagined her story would go, um, or or to where she could potentially do some good um, in our story. Uh, and that is having contact or, or being in contact with Relaine. I feel like it's kind of a stepping stone to to bigger things um, and getting connected potentially to our heroes, which I would th- I think would be super cool at some point. Um, I don't know what that would look like, but Relaine is just such an integral piece in this in this puzzle right now that I'm I'm really excited. Um, I feel like that was just kind of a first point of contact, and I'm excited to read further on that for sure and see what happens. Um, my second word is deceit, and that is actually talking about a spren. That is talking about timber. Um, okay, that's not which spren is, I thought you were gonna say. Yeah, uh, that I'm I'm actually talking about timber, and it's not. I don't know if deceit was one hundred percent the right word for this, but it's what I could think of. So, 
I went with Deceit, and it's because Timber pulses to a rhythm of Odium to kind of help cover for Venley. She's, like, flustered at some point and isn't, like, uh, doing a great job of upkeeping her, like, natural, I guess, singer behavior um, or listener behavior. So, so Timber, like, pulses to a rhythm of Odium to, like, cover for her, pretty much, to kind of bail her out of a social situation, um, which is weird. Weird. I'm just confused on how that, one, how that works, two, I don't know, I just feel like our good honors, not honors, our, our high sprint and odium wouldn't mix, like, that this is a rhythm of odium, specifically. Yeah. And so, and also that, like, I mean, I understand the, like, sly, our sprint is, like, helping our character, and in this case, invi- involves a lot of, like, kind of deceiving persuasion sneakiness you know but it does seem very uncharacteristic for one of our high sprint to kind of have a like spy sneakiness deceitfulness like approach or nature and stuff it is very necessary here but it's it's a little surprising to me i guess so that was the reasoning for my my second word there elliot I almost picked deceit. I, I almost did, but but for the the sill scene that she where she impersonates the uh, the void spren. Uh, but what I did pick for words was unforeseen allies. One pairing of which is the the Venley Relane uh, partnership that we we see perhaps springing up here, but also for actually Venley and Lift perhaps okay. we. We see Lyft show up again, which we'll talk about more uh, in a little bit, I'm sure. She might come across an unforeseen ally in Venley, who might be able to help her out. The other one is a bit of a stretch, but I actually want to pull in Kaladin and Raboniel into this discussion because I want to get your guys' take on it, but I think Raboniel lets. Kaladin go on purpose. Maybe. And while that's not really the act of an ally per se, I'm very fascinated why. So we'll have to dive into it when we get there. Sounds good. We will get there. First, we have we start this episode again with a Venley flashback chapter. This one is a little bit more intense than than the last one. So we use the sphere that uh, what what's her toes gives us last episode and she goes into the storm all of her family assumes that she's going to go take mate form because that's the only other form they they have they've got work form and mate form and venley has been searching for gears and is really close to finding war form but which which is what esh and i assumes is happening but i don't know if this is war form that she takes. I think she might have jumped straight to storm form with this spren that's in the gemstone because the the spren has a full conversation with her and is for all intents and purposes a, a high 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 spren one that's you know sentient and I believe storm form it or I believe war form does not have 
a sentient spren like that. It's not one of the like forms of power or something like that, right? Because they have the, the Parshendi that they fight on the Shattered Plains, they're all in war form. Right. So I do think that she discovers war form between now and uh, and the Way of Kings, but I don't think that's what this is. I think this is storm form, the form that they have by the end of Words of Radiance, um, like the, the Voidbringer, uh, eyes glowing red, red lightning stuff. I think that's what this is. I think she skipped war form and will then go back for it later, and then somehow she's able to conceal it and still look like work form because it it's stated that work form and mate form are the only two they have right now and she's been looking for war form i think she skipped it with this i didn't think about that when i read it but when you when you run through that i that makes perfect sense i think you might just be right because it does definitely seem like this was a you know full-on void spren that she that was in this gemstone right hmm and maybe if it's not a spoiler maybe somebody can correct us in the comments but if if this is work for, or if this is war form or or storm form but i believe it's storm form yeah it makes sense too because Venley goes out into the storm and she meets the storm father, which that was super cool in that moment. I don't know why it, the, the scenes where people meet the storm father are some of my favorites yeah. in the whole story. So there's just a way that you can imagine those scenes going down the way they're described, the way they happen. That's just so cool. Like the, that pause in the storm that happens, that's sort of like stepping almost out of reality for a moment to converse with the Stormfather. Super cool. But he says, the Stormfather says to Venli, are you making this choice for all of your people? And she basically is like, yes, you can't stop me. And he's like, okay, farewell, child of odium. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like war form, which we see many of the Parshendi take later, it doesn't seem like those have any association with odium or that other form. Yeah. Other types of forms. So for this to be like the moment where they're aligning with odium definitely does seem to point to something much more than that, which I didn't think about the implications of that until just now when you said that. Did you guys catch what the Spren was saying? I mean, he name drops Shadesmar, which Venley has no idea what that is. And then the Spren realizes she has no idea what that is. And he understands we're really starting with square one here because Venley has no idea about the, the ancient forms. Did you catch anything else that he said? I, I caught something else that was confusing fusing but i don't think it's what you're fishing for so we might want to talk about whatever that is first go ahead and we can go back to my fishing line the, the we'll leave your your bobber bobbing around there for a little mm -hmm. bit mm -hmm. well we'll check in a minute what what confused me is the void spren speaks to a rhythm of odium it's mentioned specifically that's not surprising we that seems like that would be what you'd expect of a void spren what surprises me 
is when Venley gets back to the camp and she's like trying to pretend like nothing happened. She speaks without rhythms and like all the, all the listeners are like just staring at her. You know, Eshenai is like, what? Why you're speaking without rhythms? How is this even possible? Why? Why would Venley speak without rhythms? Cause Odium has rhythms. I would expect that she would speak with a rhythm that they don't recognize. Right. But it's like she doesn't speak with one at all. So that and that had me very confused. Any input, Paul? This this is my biggest question, maybe of the whole episode, is Fidley's, I guess, concerns, problems, issues with the rhythms at this point. So this... And this is when it happened. This happens in the flashback chapter, right? Like this that you're talking about right now? That's what I thought. And that's what confuses me the most. Because in, like, later, I think when it was that, like, Timber kind of intercedes is like current day. It's like she has bonded a radiant spren. And so that makes some sense to me that she like maybe would have some detachment level from the rhythms. Yeah. But in this like flashback, I don't I don't get it. I don't know why she could or would speak without rhythms. Um may, maybe it's like a Shalon scenario where we find out pattern we found out that pattern had been there all along or, so, or for like longer than we thought or knew maybe timber was kind of around back at this point and like that's the somehow the reason like being associated being scouted by a, a high a high sprint maybe that means you have some separation from these rhythms that's my only guess. Other than that, I don't know. Other than if there's something else that we just don't know about Vinley, um, that that might be revealed later. But I don't. I don't get it in the flashback. Yeah, it, like I said, in the current day, it makes it makes sense to me logically. Like I can I can have some guesses as to why, but this I don't. I don't really get. Okay, so here's my interpretation of it, and um, I'll be making some assumptions here. So go along with me. I assume that natural listener and singer forms and rhythms come from cultivation. And if you are in a normal form, war form, work form, anything that's not a, that storm form or above, that is a cultivation based form. And if you are in those, in that form, it is natural for you to, talk it to one of cultivation's rhythms or the the rhythms that they're the only rhythms they they know of at this point when venley goes into the storm she hears a new rhythm she hears the spren talking to odium's rhythm and then the spren says okay we're gonna bond but we have to hide that you are this new form so she comes back and she's hiding from the fact she's hiding the fact that she's going to speak to this new rhythm and the cultivation rhythm is no longer natural. So it, it takes her a second to pick up the old rhythm. Um, so she accidentally just says nothing or it says a, a mute form. And then because she, she picks up an old rhythm like within seconds, right? And 
um, Eshenai's like, Why, where's your rhythms, Fenley? And she's like, oh, you you just misheard. I, this is, I, I am talking normal rhythms. This is normal. Um. So I, I just assumed that she just wasn't used to the unnaturalness of her old rhythm. Okay, so she's she's intentionally suppressing the new rhythm, and she's just forgetting to also speak to the old rhythm that she should be speaking to. That would that's okay. my interpretation. That's fair. That could be that's plausible. What was the what was the other bit about that spren that we were supposed to notice? The other bit about the spren, he asks. Is this the high storm or is this the new storm, the one in the south? And I don't have any answers for you guys besides like, what? Like <laughs> the the direction that we associate the Everstorm with is not south. And is he just referring to when an original Everstorm was summoned and it was in the south? Maybe that would be maybe my assumption. But he. He implies that it's been a long time since he's been to Roshar, the 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 spren. What's what's up with old Roshar these days? Is what he says, and he's like, "Is this is this the high storm or is this the new storm in the south?" And I'm and I paused. I'm like, "What? What what does that mean? Like, with we have the Everstorm, which was summoned, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's new, right? All the spren are saying that the Everstorm is new, and it wasn't." back way, way back when so what storm is he talking about yeah i don't know i i assumed i was misremembering something because i thought the everstorm gets summoned by venley and all the listeners later Which, much later yeah, they, they, that's and, like how they bring on storm form isn't and for it? the first time well right it, it's not how they bring on storm form. They're already in storm form. It's their weapon. It's their secret weapon. They're going to use to kill all the Alethi when they're coming for them. Okay. It's what, it's what brings back the fused, uh, the Everstorm is okay. what brings back the fused. Oh, okay. 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 That, that's what I was thinking of. I but, was thinking of the fused, but the Everstorm is new. I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that that, that was the first time that the Everstorm had ever been summoned. So I don't know what this guy's talking about. Family certainly doesn't know what he's talking about. Do we know like what time, like what point of time this is? This is like way in the past, isn't it? This is. Or, I don't. I don't remember the lifespan of like our singers. They this don't is, live to be like crazy old or anything, right? This is two years before Gavilar dies. Okay. Gavilar and his buddies find the Parshendi. They're fascinated by them. They get to know them. They invite them to the palace. Eshenai discovers, oh, shoot, they can bring back Fused. That will kill us all. We're going to kill him. And that's what starts the war, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that is two years before the prologue. Which is... Five-ish years before present day? Yeah. Seven. Five five before the beginning of the Way of Kings, but it's been two years oh, since right. then. So, seven. Right. So, yes. Very, very interesting 
sprint interaction here. Yeah. Eshenai is very unsettled by the lack of rhythms to the point where are we in Eshenai's point of view at that point? Um, I think we are that uh, Venley comes out of the storm and Eshenai is unnerved, frightened, terrified of her sister gives her uh, Venley gives her like a toothy snarl grin. That's supposed to be reassuring, but it's definitely not. She's not used to her new body. Eshenai definitely picks up real quick on something's different. Yeah. Any uh, anything else for fifty-seven? All right, fifty-eight and fifty-nine. Kaladin uh, action sequence here. Kaladin from last episode is going to retrieve a span raid. He successfully does so, and then we are Kaladin's needed. Uh, the sibling panics. And contacts him and says, "Hey, hey, I need, I really need your help. They found, they found a node. Please come defend me." Sibling is really panicked, and Kaladin, being a windrunner, he's like, "All right, I gotta go protect those who can't protect themselves." Runs down the stairs, gets chased back and forth. Um, sibling shows him a bunch of secret passageways where he can uh, lose all of his tails, which is pretty cool. Um, and then he shows up to one of the nodes that they found in the wall. And it's not necessarily the entire thing's a trap, but Raboniel knows that Kaladin will show up for this and tells the pursuer, hey, come to me or come with me to this node because Kaladin's going to show up. What'd you guys, what'd you guys get out of these? I feel like this is some development with the sibling. Um, like, like I understand the sibling is like panicking because they're going to like harm or hurt her, I guess. Um, so he's like, so the sibling is like calling on Kaladin for that, like for help. Right. But what we've seen of the sibling so far, I feel like is a very like, wants nothing to do with these people. Almost. It, it seems to me to be that way. Right. Um, at least maybe was it Navani that the sibling was super curt with someone it was I don't remember exactly and maybe like two episodes ago we talked about it um, where I feel like the sibling was pretty adverse to anyone like would never ever bond someone if it makes sense like like just not care at all um, and I feel like this is maybe an opportunity to show like some good or restore some faith that the sibling has in the Alethi yeah. or, or things like that. So I was like kind of happy to see this, I guess. Not that the sibling is in trouble, but you know, like I was explaining about, if that makes sense. I think, I think that might be true if he succeeded. I don't know if he did. And I don't know if the siblings by the siblings definition, if he did, he successfully stops Raboniel from void light infusing a, a node he basically kicks it off the cliff and it explodes. Um, but it's been it's been noted that we can't do that with all our nodes, or else we're going to lose the entire shield and game over. So 
I don't know if he lost, but I don't know if he's necessarily won by the sibling standards. I think he did what what needed to be done, what had to be done there. And the sibling, the sibling starts like freaking out at one point. And I, I think this will probably win him some points, him being Kaladin with the sibling, and that he did save the sibling from being corrupted, destroyed, whatever. There's a moment along the way before he even gets to the node that had me pretty close to laughing out loud. It was when Syl tries to impersonate a void spren to give Kaladin the distraction to get into the, um, I guess to get into the span read room. Yeah. And she, she impersonates a void spren and she like approaches the, the singer guards and and what she says to like try and be an imperious, you know, in charge void pren. She walks in and she's like, I am super annoyed, super, super, super annoyed with all of you. And I just like that is like the goofy, naive sill that we're used to. She can't even like she can't even impersonate someone being nasty. She still has to be polite and goofy when she's trying to be, you know in charge and ordering people around. It was, it, it was a funny still moment. It's, it's very good in the audiobook too. That's Michael Kramer does a good job of it. I, I feel like way back three books ago now or whatever, we had a lot of like sill moments and we haven't had one in a while, but this, this was a sill moment. Well, we haven't had encouraging sill moments. We've had, couple other silver ones. Fair. She also impersonates a void spren in the middle of Kaladin's fight with the pursuer. Um, Sil zips around and orders the pursuer, pr- probably more uh, realistic than the than the first attempt. And she orders him to put, put him down. We need him. And then he puts him down and it turns and it's like, oh, you're not you're his honor spren, I get it. And then they keep fighting. Before we get too much into the fight, there is one thing that we probably should note. Kaladin does successfully snag some span reads. Yes. He does get into that room and he, he's able to snatch like a whole pouch full of void light span reads. So as long as he managed to hold on to those during this whole battle with the pursuer, that might be that might be a very helpful uh, piece of our story there. Yeah, I wonder if they, I wonder if they can use it to reach reach Dalinar. I wonder if Kaladin could hike down and then fly over to to Dalinar and a tell him about what's happening and b give him the span read talk to Navani. That was my first thought too. I was, I was thinking, ooh, now we can figure out a way to contact Dalinar, which, yes, while useful, doesn't actually solve the initial problem because if Kaladin's going to fly to go give Dalinar a span read, he can just tell him what's happening. Right. But but yes, continued communication with people is going to be very helpful. Yeah. 
do we do we need to talk about the fight that much? I feel like just reading it would be better. We can kind of skip that part. Punch, punch, I, I, wrestle. <laughs> uh, I think some neat things to point out is, I guess, the process that Kaladin kind of goes through in his mind through this of figuring out what to, what the heck to do. Um, and stuff. So he kind of figures out, and kind of observes and learns some like secrets from the pursuer and, and the the fuse and everything. Um, which is really like it is is neat to see. Like, how is it? Like, I don't remember how many, but he like has to jump to a. So whenever the pursuer like gets in trouble, he like leaves his body and goes into this. It's like the little lightning bolt thing zips around yep and then reforms a new body so he just like teleports around and stuff is it like but like after he's done that he has to like go back to one of his bodies is that it so he can do it three times okay and so he can only hold so much void light um Mm -hmm. in his body so then he he can do it three times reliably and then after the third one he has to go recharge void light in some cache nearby, like a bunch of void light spheres somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and But if he risks the fourth one, he can, and you kill him, he doesn't have enough void light to form a, four, a fifth body and he dies. Mm-hmm. Or at least temporary dies and comes back with a new Everstorm, which is what happened the yeah. first time. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, I see. So you just have to beat him like five times in a row without losing. Correct. And you got it. But you also have to like trick him or emotionally antagonize or some bait him into forming that fourth body to begin with, or else it's just a never ending battle. Assuming he's got stores of void light nearby, which here in the tower he does. Right. I noted this in my my live reaction comment in our live reaction part of the discord i realized in this battle that kaladin is kaladin's a very creative fighter he's actually he's very good at problem solving on the on the fly yeah and he does it in this battle really well where he he thinks of things just in response to what's going on around him it's not like he is stuck to you know the training that he's received as a spearman he he's very imaginative like he he throws his spear at the pursuer infused with void light or not void light stormlight with one of his lashings so that when the pursuer instinctively catches it he's stuck to it and that like slows him down and you know, stuff like that where i don't know i was just impressed with Callan's ability to to think quickly yeah he kicks off his boots mid-fight so he can lash the the floor with his toes yeah, and then even at the end of the battle, when he realizes he's basically beat, he has to come up with something quick. He he thinks to fly to one of those special rooms that's a dead end. I suppose he runs because he can't fly at this point, right? Mm-hmm. He he runs to one of those rooms that can only be opened with the stormlight, and he goes in there, and as the pursuer chases him in, he ducks out of it really fast and closes it and like locks him in. Like yep. just that kind of, you know, coming up with ideas is it's pretty impressive. 
The, the other part, though, for a section of this fight, he fights with his scalpel, yeah. his surgeon's scalpel, which I paused a moment in the middle of the fight there and, and thought about how ironic that is. We, we've seen a major part of Kaladin's storyline so far is, is he the warrior or is he the surgeon? Yep. And Liren very adamantly wants him to be the surgeon and not the warrior. And Kaladin is kind of struggling with the, which one is me? Am I the surgeon? Am I the warrior? Wh- which one is it? And here we have Kaladin fighting as a warrior with his surgeon tool, which you know, the irony was noticeable. Yeah. He even has a comment in the previous, no, in the, well, maybe in the previous chapter about how he always finds his way back to the spear and how he's been looking out for Tef's addiction when the, the real addiction is him with the him with the spear. So he uh goes a little poetic in, in, in action sequences in his in his mind. And then so so we end the fight with the pursuer locked in a, in in a little cell and he runs back basically Basically tries to kick Raboni all off the tower, doesn't quite succeed, um, breaks the gemstone, Raboniel stabs Kaladin, and then just observes and watches Kaladin try to heal. Because Kaladin just destroyed one of these nodes, it has weakened Kaladin, or more accurately, it has strengthened the pillar which is suppressing the radiance. So I think now if the other Windrunners were close to waking, that is no longer going to be the case. Um, because Raboniel studies this, and Kaladin's um, absorbing Stormlight is way slower than it was bef- right before he, he kicked that note off the cliff. So did you, did you guys pick up all that? I did... I was a little confused by the logic there in just that it seems like that device that's suppressing the radiance still seems to be powered off of the the sibling, the sibling power. Mm-hmm. And so destroying the node in my mind should have weakened all of that. So the suppression of the radiance should have weakened. Okay. along with the other powers, not the opposite of it got stronger. Okay. The, I think the, I could be wrong here, but my interpretation is the nodes are tied to the shield, which is powered by Stormlight, which Navani gave it. Um, and so killing the nodes are going to drain the Stormlight out of the pillar that's in it. Mm-hmm. And then in turn strengthen the void light that's in it. Right. I, yeah. I could be wrong though. I, I understand what you're saying. That was one of those things that I personally didn't pay that close of attention to of like how it works. I was just like, Oh no, they're hurting the nodes. That's bad. You know, <laughs> that's real bad. Um, it's bad, but it's good, but it's mostly bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then at the end here, 
Raboniel seems to clearly let Kaladin escape. Yeah, she. It, it does. As far as it's written, it does appear that she could 100% finish the kill if she wants, and does not. She, she goes all like nasty on him as well. Like we we seem that there's there's brief moments in this the last few chapters, this whole part really, where you, you almost start to maybe like Rabonio a little bit. Yep. She's trying to figure stuff out. She's talking to Navani. She's being pretty nice to Navani. She's letting Kaladin go here, but there's a moment right here in this scene. Where you realize that, nah, you know, maybe she is still that, you know, very broken, fused. Because here she she taunts Kaladin by saying, if you kill me, I'll simply come back. And I might just be angry enough that I choose to come back in the meanest way possible. I will choose a single mother of a young child and I'll choose that that singer to take over their bodies so that it leaves that young child without a mother so they have to watch their mother turn into this terrible person that's me. And it's like whoa, whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I thought that you were the the logical level-headed one but oh, okay. That's evil. Yeah, the there are several people um that I know of who are fairly soft on Raboniel and I'm not one of them. She, she is introduced as the scientist lady who tried to chemical warfare her way out of, out of the war. And I, I don't, I don't get past that. She's extremely evil. Yeah. And this was a brief reminder of that. So yes, I, I would be tempted to cut her a little slack for her, sciencey engineering collaboration side but yeah 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 anything else for 58 and 59 i want to briefly talk about the epigraphs if yes. we're ready to do that yep so 59 the epigraph brought us a new name yes and I almost wish she'd done a spell check on it because it would have been the easiest spell check ever. The name is simply L. And we don't really even get any context. It's just mention this person L. And it's funny, when I when I read chapter 59, I saw that that name. It's capitalized, so it's clearly a name. So I wrote down my notes. Hmm, who is L? <laughs> About Seven pages later, when I get to chapter 60, what does the epigraph of chapter 60 say? Who is L? That's exactly what it says. So whoever the author of Rhythm of War is, is asking the same questions as us, apparently. Yeah, and let's come back to L real quick, because I do want to talk about the author of Rhythm of War in general. Um, let me read a little bit of rhythm of war and then we can discuss it um i'll start i'll kind of pick up yeah, i'll go back to the top why not um so this is the epigraphs up until this point i find this format most comfortable as it is how i've collaborated in the past 
I have never done it in this way and with this kind of partner. I approach this project with an equal mixture of trepidation and hope, and I know not which should rule. I approach this project with inspiration and renewed with inspiration renewed. The answers are all that should matter. In my fevered state, I worry I'm unable to focus on what is important. When in such a state, detachment is inevitable. I have learned that my greatest discoveries come when I abandon lesser connections. This song, this tone, this rhythm sounds so familiar in ways I cannot explain or express. I am led to wonder from experiences such as this, if we have been wrong. We call humans alien to Roshar, yet they have lived here for thousands of years now. Perhaps it is time to acknowledge there are no aliens or interlopers, only cousins. It would have been so easy if Voidlight and Stormlight destroyed one another. Such a simple answer. We must not let our desires for a specific result cloud our perceptions. But now we cannot, in searching, wish for a specific result. What scientists... But how can we not, in searching, wish for a specific result? What scientist goes into a project without hope for what they will find? I had this experience so... I find this experience so odd. I work with a scholar from the ancient days, before modern scientific theory was developed. I keep forgetting all the thousands of years of tradition you completely missed. This point regarding the rhythm of war's emotional influence would be particular interest to L. Who is this person? You use no title, so I assume they are not effused. Who, then, is L? Let's let's try to talk about who the author is, right? They seem... My, my first guess would be an effused. They seem like they're, they're not human. But I'm trying to figure out if they are like an immortal fuse who's been around for a long time, or if they're a singer, or if they're a listener, or what we're talking about here. What are your what are your guys' thoughts? It's it's clearly written in present day because the humans have been here for so long, right? Yes. Is this is this a book that's already written or is this like We don't know. Like do we Okay, because in my head this is like either Relaine or Venley. Okay, like in my head, it's it's one of them. Because um, we did get excerpts from Oathbringer before it was written, but because Dalinar writes Oathbringer mm-hmm. at the end of Oathbringer, and we get excerpts before that, so yeah, that that could that could be plausible. I almost want to actually guess that it's a human, like. Yasna or somebody like riding this after yeah or like Navani okay after all this is happening I I think I can't say that though because this seems to be written from like one friend to another and they seem to be referencing things like oh yeah you're not familiar with this because you're from the old time or, or something like that that seems to be make it seem like a singer writing to like a fused right that, that yeah 
I don't know. I really don't know. In some weird, weird sense, I could see Leshwe writing it. Okay, yeah. But I, I feel like it has to be a singer. Like, the perspective of, like... the It almost seems like kind of a forgiveness, pseudo-forgiveness of the Alethi from the... Parshendi, almost, of the, like, yes, like... The Alethi were not the first ones here, but they've been here so long, like, almost what's the point of, like, fighting about that, you know? Right. Um, so, like, we know that it is much more present day, right? If it's not written in the time that we are reading right now, then it was written not too awful long before, you know? Um, and I guess... But, like, yeah. So, sorry, go ahead. But, but that perspective just makes me think that it had to have been written by one of like one of the Parshendi. And I guess I'm not sold on the time frame here because it does say humans have been here for thousands of years, but that doesn't veto the possibility that it's a singer talking with a fused in one of the previous desolations, right? Cause at that point the humans had already been there for thousands of years and like in Shinovar, and that's when they started spreading over and then the desolations happened, that type of thing. So it is possible that it's that old, but I don't know if it, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's, that's true. That's true. No, I can, I think, I can get behind that. I feel like it's also possible that it's written in the future as right. well. Right. That this is, yeah, it, from, in my mind, it could be, present day ish or close to past or stretching into the future of singers analyzing or doing research back into like the present day that we're reading about. Right. But regardless of all of that, who is L? I assume they are not effused is the only clue we get. <laughs> and they're interested in the rhythm of war. Right. Yeah, with with the two sentences of clues we have here, I feel like we could guess any number of of people. So I have no idea. Yeah, I also have no idea. I might have an idea as long as we're being completely honest. I mean, I have a pseudo idea, but it's like, it's like, it's not on the level of Shalana's light song. Uh oh. But it's just like a, it's. I'm just thinking of another character from another book series. Oh. And it's, it's not, and it's, I know it's not, but that's like the only thing I can think of. And I know there's literally, I don't believe it's, there, there is no way. But I can't think. I can't think of anyone. So, I'm just you doing should, name association. You should DM me a name, so that we can we can talk about this later in the channels that Elliot is not allowed to see when I reveal <laughs> this to our Discord people. And uh -huh. I, I will reveal this later to them. Okay. I'll go to the kids' table while you adults talk about the important things. It's okay. <laughs> 
Elliot, we're going to need you to leave the room. Mommy and Daddy are talking. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, yeah. Who's L? Next. The actual um, content of Chapter 60. Venley finally gets to talk to Elaine. I feel like we've been waiting for this conversation for a while. And it finally happened. Relaine and Venley both get the revelation of I am not the last listener on Roshar. Both of them have assumed that the other is dead. They didn't really have much of a relationship before this, um, is what Venley says, that Esh and I knew Relaine better. Um, and But he, you know, they know who each other are. And so they have a conversation back and forth and I don't I'm not sure if their motivations align or more like they could help each other out because Venley's end goal is to run her her, her goal is to run down the tunnel assumed assumed dead by everyone so she can go live her happy life away from all of this Relaine is pretty much full send on no the the humans are worth protecting and fighting with and we're gonna i'm part of bridge four that's who i am um kaladin's needs are my needs um is what relaine pretty much says here so well what were you guys' thoughts on this i think i might phrase it as i think relaine and timber's goals are aligned or at least quite close. Okay. So we have Venley with the the voice in her heart now telling her the same thing as Relaine is kind of telling her of we need to help the humans. Does Venley herself quite want to do that yet? I don't think so. Although by the end of the chapter maybe that's changed. Maybe. This this is one that has me a little so so this got me really excited. This chapter made me super nervous while I was listening to it while I was reading. Um, but now that I'm now that I've read it, I, I'm just plain excited. Uh, and that is because this is where like Relaine is kind of revealed to be like basically a prisoner now of of the fuse or, or was kind of like taken captive. And they aren't buying his his lie of, oh, I'm, you know, I, I was taken captive. I wasn't able to go. The the Lethe held me captive. You know, uh, the few's not really buying that. Um, and so he's kind of in trouble. Mm-hmm. But lucky for him, we have Venley here, and v- Venley one finds out she's not the only listener alive remaining, which is just really cool. Um. I, they each find that out, I guess, right? Or Relaine yep. doesn't know, I yep. think. They both find that out. Okay, well, that's just really, like, awesome stuff, you know? Um, and then, two, Venley is in a position where she's effective... I don't know if she's... I would say she's able to, like, free Relaine, but... Makes life a lot better for him than he probably thought was gonna have. You know, he she kind of has some leverage with, like, Leshwi... And like ha- is in kind of a position of power to kind of have him under her control somewhat, and yeah, like 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 we said, they're 
their goals are sort of in line. And I'm not 100% certain what their goals are, but they're kind of just for good, not for, like, destruction. Um, so I'll take it, you know? Um, and this is the biggest thing that I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes right now. Um, yeah. We do have another character come into the scene uh, later on, but we'll probably talk about that at the very end. Um, I, I believe, I don't know what else y'all, what y'all have to, to kind of add to that, but I actually have a couple things to mention before we do move to that. Paul, did you catch the sleepless sighting? It actually could very well not be a sleepless sighting, but the word Kremlin was used, and so I'm going to latch onto it. Oh, that—that's what I would do too. I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't catch it. So, when Venley walks into the prison to go talk to Elaine, she does her little void spread check by jumping into Shadesmar really quick and looking around to make sure there's no void spread like spine on them. And when she does that. At first, she's like, oh, there's nothing here. Oh, wait, there is something here. And she sees in the corner of the prison, there's a Kremlin, and there's a what she thinks is a void spren hiding inside the Kremlin. And she realizes this, and she kind of attaches this to the whole, oh, yeah, these secret spren or whatever they're, we learned they're called, they can't hide anymore in Eurythiru because of the power of Eurythiru or whatever, they're, they're visible. And so she thinks the void spren is just hiding in the Kremlin to not be seen. I read that. And I wondered if that's not what she's seeing. And what instead she is seeing is one of the Kremlin associated with one of our sleepless. I'm not quite sure why it would show up as a spren in Shadesmar, but it's even noted in the, the text here that she doesn't recognize the void spread, like the way it looks, she's a little confused, but she's like, yeah, I'm not familiar with all of them. So it probably is. We know that like humans, they reflect in shades, Mar. So if, if you're, if there's a human standing here, there's a, a light that kind of reflects their soul in shades, Mar. It doesn't seem like that far of a stretch for me to think that a sleepless might do the same, that if it's like a regular Kremlin, maybe it doesn't reflect in shades, Mar, but if it's a sleepless, Maybe it does, and that might be what Venley's seeing here. The Kremlin also acts fairly odd after it's identified, because Venley goes to like shoo it away, like, like act, acting, trying to act normal or whatever, and just shooing away a Kremlin. But the Kremlin gets up and runs all the way down the hallway. It doesn't like you know move a little bit and then stay there. It 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 acts like it's been seen, and and gets up and leaves and goes all the way down the the hallway. So I don't know if that's a void spren controlling the Kremlin or if that's a sleepless. If it's controlling a Kremlin, it's got to be sleepless. No way it's not, you know? That, that's definitely where my mind went as soon as I read that. I was like, ah, here's our sleepless listening in on everything. And I'm not sure where I sit on this, but... I, I might be in the camp of all Kremlings are sleepless. I, I, I thought that for a while. I might be in that camp of 
every Kremlin is at least part of a sleepless. Yeah. Uh, I I think that's I fully support that theory. I I am a believer that that every Kremlin is part of a sleepless. They've been around forever. They they always there's all the illusions in Dawn Shard of like we're everywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, this synth is just part of my body, you know? Right. <laughs> and and stuff. It's they're just Mr. Worldwide, you know. Yeah. Could very well be. I had something else to note. Unless you guys had any other comments on Sleepless. Nope. Before we move on to Lyft, there's a brief moment. Well, it's actually right when we're about to transition into the lift bit of it. Venley goes to Dalinar's room and they are all, they have a bunch of fused going through all of Dalinar's possessions and they're like cataloging socks and everything, like writing it down and neatly, you know, storing it all. Yep. And Venley notes that this is strange. I wonder if they're looking for something very specific in all of Dalinar's possessions. And I can think of at least one thing, if not more, that they might be looking for. The first thing I can think of is the thrill. <laughs> if they if they know yeah, okay. that Dalinar has captured the thrill into a gemstone, they're like, you know what? We better at least check his sock drawer and make sure it's not in there. <laughs> just want to play it safe, you know? Right, exactly. We might as well go check all his socks and make sure it's not just tucked in a sock. That's pretty funny. I didn't even think about that. What what else? What else could be they looking for? An honor blade, obviously. They could be looking for an honor blade. They're looking um, for an honor blade. They could be looking for the strange dark sphere that Navani seems to have lost. Yep. Or um, maybe exploded. We don't know. Maybe any like secrets he's written down in the way of kings or something. Um, a diary, you right. know. They probably have Oathbringer the book now. Yeah. Anything else is down in our house? I think that's it that we know of. But anyway, I thought it was interesting that they were going through all the stuff like that and could think of a few things they might be looking for specifically. Venley yeah. was confused, but I could think of why they were doing that. It's plausible. I will be honest, I didn't give it a second thought of why they would be going through Dalinar stuff. So, Lyft shows up. She has been captured by Marais, and Raboniel notes how Marais likely captured her. She's in a prison, she's in like this movable cell thing made of, what does she call it? Do you get, did you guys catch this? I don't remember it, but did she use the term Rawcolest again? She did. She called it, she named it Rawcolest, and she identified that it is equal to aluminum. So Rawcolest is aluminum, as you and I know it. So we can use those two terms interchangeably, assuming that Raboniel is a good source to use that information from, but... How do you guys think the Murray's lift chase went and how long that lasted? I'm confused. I don't know. 
knowing Lyft probably a very long time. She's rather good at escaping. That's true. I was surprised that she was ever caught. Yeah. Me too, actually. It's a testament to Marais for sure. He he does kind of cheat. He's got the see-through walls AVR dude. So there. So yeah, Lyft has been turned over to Raboniel. And then Venley pleads for Relaine's life and gets Relaine turned over to her. And Venley's like, oh, that's my next ideal. I will free those who are in bondage or whatever um, she says. And then a female voice replies to her and says, these words are not accepted. What'd you guys get from this? Um, it seemed like it was not the time. Okay. I guess. And, and doesn't she kind of has a realization afterwards of like afterwards or maybe right before of like, I can't say these words if this girl is in bondage right in front of me talking about lift and I'm not doing anything about it. Right. So I feel like she kind of has her like mission call there. And so, what she wants to do. Are you in the right words, wrong time camp? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Elliot? Yeah, that seemed the the likely explanation to me was it seemed like Venley wanted the words to apply to Relaine, but then yeah, the voice was kind of coming back and, and saying, eh, you can't say that with someone clearly right in front of you needing to be freed from bondage. Okay. Interesting. I I didn't actually think about the female voice coming back. I did. With the denied. I Yeah, I'm not sure. That does seem significant now. But I haven't had enough time to chew on it to decide what exactly that might mean aside from cultivation, I guess we know is Female. Yep. That would yep, that would be the first culprit because I think the rest of our radiance have received it from a male voice. I am fairly confident that that is the case. And I would go as far to say that it's different. So down whoa. Dalinar's um, words are directly accepted by the Stormfather. Kaladin's is not. Kaladin's, he says his voice is distinctly different than the Stormfather's voice because he's heard both. And Kaladin says his, his words are accepted by a different voice that is not the Stormfather. That distinction is at the end of Words of Radiance. Because Stormfather doesn't like him at that time. Would that be in part to why Syl is seemingly so unique? Maybe Syl is just connected to something different. Maybe. Wait. We know he is a Windrunner still, but like... But unclear. I assumed with the female voice that it was just cultivation. 
but does but, cultivation have to do is cultivation directly tied into the knight's radiant is then the question because i've always assumed that honor birthed the knight's radiant and you mm-hmm. said your ideals to equivalent substitution of honor but does cultiv is cultivation in there as well Uh, good question. Oh. I don't know. Raffo. I'm going to Raffo <laughs> that one. <laughs> I Prior to this chapter, I would have probably said cultivation is less involved with radiance than honor. But we know that the singers as a species are related to cultivation, who is, you know, the mother earth of Roshar, if you will. So all those kind of shared link. Right. So to have cultivation speak to a singer seems to make sense. And then also in this same chapter, Marais makes a comment about cultivation's direct involvement with lift. Yeah. And to tie this kind of into another topic I want to get into, name drops life light. Yeah. Yes, it does. So to to wrap up what we were kind of talking about there, I'm after reading this chapter, ready to easily say that this is cultivation and cultivation is more tied into radiance than we perhaps thought, specifically perhaps singer radiance. The lifelight bit, though, about lift is interesting. I was going to say that. Do you guys realize how many boxes that checks for lift? In what way? Yeah, a couple. She has never absorbed stormlight. She has right. always mm-hmm. received her her power via eating, and that mm-hmm. was just you know everybody kind of just brushed it off as like oh that's a lift you know lift is weird, but mm-hmm. this it's it's actually kind of fascinating that this is what one of the reasons why lift wasn't affected by the tower is because she still had food. And she's not directly tied to Stormlight. She's tied to Life Light. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's still a Knight's Radiant. So, that I don't know. That's interesting. So then I would assume that Lyft's ideals would be answered by Cultivation as well. And again, why does Moraes know this? Great question. But 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 Great I've learned question. to stop asking that question because he, he just seems to know stuff. I, th- I feel like Mraze is the most weird character right now because, like, he's just a normal person, but, like, he's got everything and knows everything. He's, he's just, like, a top mob boss black market dealer. Like, I don't know. I feel like he's the evil Hoid. He's he's kind of been everywhere. He's but he's in it for himself. And if he if you have something I want, I'll make a deal with you. But I'm definitely going to get the better end of the stick here. Definitely interesting. I I don't know fully what to make of what to make of Murray's. I do, I do appreciate the nuggets of information that he does give us, though. Like, this one is very helpful. We have Lifelight. Even just have a name to give to this. We've we've seen that the the sibling uses a different 
type of light, right? So yeah. I think we can we can probably safely jump to the conclusion that we're talking about life light there as well. Maybe. Uh, well, Keep I'm going to make that jump for now. I'm going to make that jump for now. So now in my mind, I have like this, you know, triforce of power on on Roshar. We've got Stormlight, Honor, Void Light, Odium, and Life Light, Cultivation. I would subscribe to that theory as well. I, I would hesitate on the jump for the sibling, though, because the sibling specifically uses a teal, which is which combines green and blue. Yep. Um, so I think the sibling might be a combination of cultivation and honor as opposed to just cultivation's light. That, that's fair, because we have had implications. We have had discussions before that did link the sibling somehow to both of them. Right. So that that's a good point. Maybe the, maybe the sibling is not using pure life light. Maybe it's a combination. Right. Oh man, so so maybe we've got our primary colors of Yep. Oh dear. Yep. Oh dear. There you go. Somebody draw that I out. Can, I'm sure somebody has. I can believe that. There you go. Alright. Anything else for uh this episode? Nothing else. Good I'm stuff. Read some more. Yeah. Sounds great. Let's reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me. Farewell. Bye.